Hello, this is Nilla Varman and you're listening to The Nilla Extract, the official show where I talk about pressing issues such as body acceptance, mental health, climate change, race and so much more, with some pretty cool music and some pretty cool guests too. Hello, my name is Nilla Varman and welcome back to The Nilla Extract. Hey, <coughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what that was, uh, mixed with my my hay fever and a sudden cough that I've seemed to develop in the past 10 minutes. Welcome back to a new season of the show and thank you so much for being here. It's been an interesting month. I've been gone for a month and honestly, best decision I made. Good break to, you know, meet some people, expand and learn and unlearn and I don't know, take part in some new opportunities and make mistakes and sort of learn from them but no regrets I feel fresher than ever and it really 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 made me miss doing the show (sighs) honestly what is this cough where has this come from I have I have no clue but yeah it's been a roller coaster of a month I've finished my exams I've only got my dissertation to go now I guess the sun has finally come out properly but it's too good to be true we've got days that are like half sunny and then the other half is just like oh my gosh I'm just gonna pour down on you and get you all wet and then two seconds later it's just like ooh, in the sun I'm here again so it's been um been a bit crazy and the last time since we spoke which it feels like a very long time ago but it wasn't that long ago but Bridgerton came out and um for many of you as you know like I wasn't a massive fan of the first season like it was a guilty pleasure and I binged it during lockdown just like hundreds and hundreds of people all all over the world but I was very 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 excited because um for those who haven't seen it this season focused around well didn't really focus around but the one of the main characters two three of the main characters were South Asian and they were brown, and the two main characters were Thummel and dark-skinned and looked like me, and it was an incredible experience to finally be able to watch a show where being Indian or being brown or just having an Indian heritage wasn't one of shame or embarrassment or, like, it wasn't this, like, it wasn't the whole character arc of the like they're called the Sharma sisters I mean it wasn't a perfect representation I agree it wasn't it definitely was but to me it was a massive improvement from what I had growing up but yeah if you were like me you were stunned to see two dark-skinned Tamil actresses take to the big screen on such a major production and again while the representation wasn't perfect for me it was a fab start because not all representation is necessarily good representation and we've had tons of representation in the past few years but not all of it has been how can I say good (laughs) now I think some of the reasons why I liked it is as I said the inclusion of dark-skinned Tamil actresses as South Asians we are so much I mean like we're not strangers to colorism within our own film industries and western ones so in my opinion, Bridgerton broke so many representational barriers and it was refreshing. It was so refreshing because, uh, I mean, the, the the South Asian film industry is still, it hasn't even, I mean, they're struggling to make it inclus- inclusive. Like, I mean, it's probably going to be another hundred years, but 
I don't know what's going on there. Another reason why I really liked this season of Bridgerton is because obviously I know a lot of people watch it for the sexy things, and I agree. Like, whew, the Viscount. Whew. But I really, really enjoyed the intimacy of cultural references throughout the season because they really, really stuck with me. You know, it's not all about physical intimacy. It's also about, you know, um, I guess, cult intimacy of cultural tradition throughout. Um, the Sharma sisters, in my opinion, kind of embody forms of intimacy beyond romance, like sisterhood and loyalty and respect and friendship. And I guess they pay homage to their culture. And so in moments of sadness and jubilation, you see them, you know, taking comfort in their traditions, like the Nalungu ceremony. I have never seen a Nalungu in a white show. Like, that was so cool. <laughs> and I think one of my favorite parts, I'm not giving any spoilers away, but um, there is a scene with hair oiling. And uh, it's where Simone Ashley's character, Kate, massages oil into her sister's hair. Um, Charitra Chandran's hair and it was so emotional for me to see that because as a South Indian kid I would often go to school with coconut oil in my hair and I was teased by members of the Indian community who kind of othered my South Indianness. so you know my my hair used to be like thrice the thickness of it was as it is now and something I used to hate when I was a kid is when my mum used to put oil in my hair. Not because of, like, representation or anything. Just because I was a kid. <laughs> and I used to cry all the time whenever my mum did my hair. But as I got older, I may have not told her this. <laughs> or, like, made it obvious. But it was something that I really cherished. Because it was a time when I'd sit with my mum and she'd, like, put oil in my hair. And sometimes she'd talk to me about her day. And, like, sometimes she'd tell me a story about something that's happened in her life. And Amma would, like... Amma's a busy person, okay? Like, she she is thriving. So when she does kind of wind down and choose me to uh, sort of share her life with, it's it's really powerful. And it's a really intimate moment. Because, like, as a teenager, I was not very easy. Like, I'm still a very difficult child. I'd say, like, I'm annoying. <laughs> and um, with as with um, anyone who can relate to having a mum and a daughter relationship it can be complicated so having those moments where I'd really sit down with my mum and just talk to her about hair or about my friends or lack of friends or whatever it was or the issue it's something I really cherished and so when these people started making fun of me I used to beg my mum to stop the coconut oil I was like no no coconut oil because I wanted to be cool I wanted to be included in all these groups and like, there were so many negative stereotypes that were associated just with, like, being South Indian, and it was just irritating. Um, but seeing but seeing this and seeing Bridgerton, I, I felt seen after a long time. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about was the use of Indian languages. Now, I know what you're thinking. Nila, you clever Katrika, which is an aubergine in Tamil, by the way. As a Tamil girl... Why did you like the language use? Because it was bloody confusing. It was a bit of like a pan-Indian mix. Like, I mean, in all honesty, the research, like they could have researched the show a bit, uh, the culture a bit more because, I don't know, it was a bit confusing and I'll tell you why. So as a Tamil girl, hearing Kate and Edwina call their parents Aman Appa, um, for those who have listened to the show before, you've heard me call my parents Aman Appa all the time because they are just Aman Appa. I've never called them like mum and dad. Sometimes I call them mummy and daddy, whatever. But it just, it gave me all the feels, man. Like, 
despite some confusing moments when Edwina um, calls her sister Didi in Hindi and Kate calls Edwina Bon, which means, I think, sister or something in Bengali. Um, it was really confusing because it was a mix of different languages and no one could figure out where they're from. But I think, in my opinion, uh, this indicated to me that the sisters were probably a mix of I don't know, like various Indian heritages. And I, I kind of liked that because it wasn't really focusing on like, oh, I'm Indian and now you must play Bollywood music as I walk across the room and I am Indian and that's why I make these decisions. No. <laughs> also, I loved, so speaking of this, I loved how the South Asian identity of the sisters was not made, the whole personality or character arc like it usually is in Western media. Instead, it was... How do I say it? It was, it was subtly and beautifully represented through their embroidered dresses. Just small details like that. Uh, Jumaki and their earrings. Uh, the use of Indian silks for their gowns and the golden trims on their dresses. All paying homage to their South Asian heritage. It wasn't in your face. You know? It was subtle and it was just... It felt normal. So... If Bridgerton had so many great things in terms of representation, why did I say it wasn't perfect? Well, I really wish that they had honoured the actresses and the characters South Indian and Tamil heritage more. Maybe by using, I don't know, Tamil music rather than falling back on one Bollywood song. Or maybe even referencing specific South Indian traditions and quirks that can be you know, so different from the North and pan-Indian narratives. But these are just notes for improvement, you know, for now. This, again, this is, this representation is a huge change from what I grew up with. And I'm happy about that. So yeah, it's about time that the rich culture and history and stories of South Asian people are seen and understood and represented both on screen and off. You know, we're not, we're not a monolith and we're not tropes either. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Now, yeah, so that's my review of Bridgerton, I suppose. Now, what I also wanted to mention is that it's now June. Woohoo! And uh, it's currently the Jubilee today. I went to the parade this morning. It was, <sighs> it was a lot. <laughs> we'll talk about that another day. It was fun. Um, it was chaotic and hectic, but what isn't? And uh, it's also the start of Pride Month. And, you know, I have so many things to learn as an ally. And what better way to do it than to have wonderful guests on my show to share their experiences and their lived experiences with you. So today we have a very, very exciting guest, someone who I've literally followed the career of for so long. And, you know, like I've actually never watched the show where I kind of heard about this person from um I kind of found out about them through I think just an activist platform and then realized that they were the runner-up of RuPaul's Drag Race and that is the very very lovely wonderful person who is Miss Peppermint or Peppermint and uh, she's an actress she's a singer she's a songwriter she's a drag queen she's an activist I said that already <laughs> But I think Peppermint is incredible. She has such a diverse platform where she manages to create a space where so many people can come. They can learn, they can be allies, they can resonate, they can have that safe space where they they can see someone representing their community. And she is so talented and honestly such a pleasure to talk to. 
And so, yeah, I, I'm so excited to have Peppermint on the show today. It's, a, it's truly an honour. So if you hear me throughout the interview just hyperventilating a little bit, please forgive me. <laughs> but yeah, I cannot wait for you to listen to this conversation because it is so, so important. So yeah, before we before we go there, um, here I am live at the Nilla Extract where I will try to challenge many socially pressing and relevant issues that aren't really talked about much. And today I'm broadcasting from home. It is the Jubilee weekend. So if you randomly happen to hear chants of God save the Queen or something outside or a plane going by, please excuse that alongside any other fart noises and crinkles and pops and all that jazz in the background. But yeah, as usual, this episode will have some good music, uncontainable weirdness. And um, yeah, now here's a song which I've been obsessed with lately and uh, it's by you know, the man who I will refer to as my future husband, but also someone who I just want as a friend, and that is Harry Styles. So here is music for a sushi restaurant. I hope you enjoy it, because I am obsessed. Here's another song you've been trying to forget.
Hello, Peppermint. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the Nilla Extract. It is an honor to have you here. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to keep saying thank you. Oh my gosh. Um, but so for those who aren't familiar with your work already, um, how and when did your drag journey begin? Where did it all start? Uh, I'd say professionally, it started when I moved to New York for college and I started working in a very legendary drag club called The Tunnel, which uh, is the backdrop for some popular movies and books, mm -hmm. uh, Disco Bloodbath. And uh, there's a movie that starred Macaulay Culkin called Party Monster. Um, and Seth Green and a few other, there was a bunch of stars in it, but it was an independent film actually produced by World of Wonder. Um, and it was about the infamous club land murders by um, a club, a very well-known club personality promoter. And so people would call, call him a drag queen. I wouldn't, but that's what, how he's been described his name is michael alec and um and so that's how people might know that's how people will find this club the tunnel uh <laughs> if they go back and look on the internet but it was a besides that it was one of the most popular clubs in new york at the time when i moved to to, to the city yeah and that's where it all started professionally for you then yeah professionally yeah I mean, have you got any inspirations in the drag world, would you say? Like someone that you've kind of, I guess, resonated with? Well, certainly RuPaul, who is, I would imagine, really the most famous drag entertainer in the world now, and certainly was then many years ago and has been for decades. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, definitely RuPaul was the biggest inspiration at the time. And and is certainly uh, an icon now for me. And, you know, there's, I mean, now I'm fan a fan of almost all the queens on every season <laughs> of Drag Race. And yeah. so now it's, it's very different because, you know, we can find our own people that we're inspired by on the internet, on social media. Uh, but beforehand, you know, when drag was not as mainstream as it is now, um, you know, people like RuPaul were definitely uh, the ones I looked up to. There was a really great book called Drag Dolls that I that my mother got me hmm. uh, <clears throat> before I moved to New York that had all of the, or not all of, but many of the popular New York City queens that were working at the time. This was many, many years ago. <laughs> and so those were, a lot of the the gals that I looked up to as well, or that I sort of said, wow, like these are people who are really <clears throat> doing it. And by doing it, I didn't mean they're famous. I didn't mean they have a lot of followers. I didn't mean any of that. I meant they're like being fierce and fabulous. Yeah. That's all I meant. Um, and so I was able to sort of look th for those people. And then when I came to New York, was able to go to the club and be like, oh, that's so-and-so, Yeah, you know? <laughs> which is great. And a lot of those uh, queens are also profiled in the movie Wigstock, which is a documentary uh, about a drag festival mm -hmm. that uh, took place annually, kind of like Woodstock, but it's Wigstock. Um, oh, people should people should look that up as well. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look that up. I don't know why I've never heard of it. 
I mean, to be fair, like, I think I'm learning more about the drag community now than I did before. I think it's just something that I never, I just used to watch the Disney Channel until I came to uni. I didn't even know drag race was a thing. And then I was introduced to, to it by my friends and I was just like, whoa. <laughs> well, now there's like nearly a decade for you to be able to catch up. I have so <laughs> much to catch up on. Like, you have no idea. My friends have given me a list of season by seasons, like, you should watch it in this order, but you can also watch it in this order. And I was like, oh my God, it's <laughs> <laughs> so much to do. Drag race, how was that for you? Did you enjoy your experience? It was it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, but I'm, I'm glad I did it for sure. I met some great people, uh, obviously created some memories, and yeah. Yeah. Do I face difficulties? Yeah, there, there are certainly, I mean, drag is not as, nothing is as simple and easy as it looks on TV, that's for sure, especially mm -hmm. drag. And so, if we're talking in the context of drag, um, yeah, there's there's difficulties with planning and scheduling, you know, and that was even before doing Drag Race. Uh, having enough resources 
to make it all look fabulous and effortless is is sometimes very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get you. I couldn't even get out of bed on time today, but <laughs> I admire everyone who's doing stuff like that. Um, now, I really wanted to talk to you about your Broadway debut um, in Head Over Heels. Now, if I'm not wrong, you are actually the first trans woman to originate a lead role in Broadway? Uh, yeah, more or less. <laughs> that's really amazing. I mean, congratulations, first of all. I mean, how was that experience? Like Broadway, just performing? It was the second hardest thing I've ever had to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, very difficult. And takes a lot of energy, like physical energy, mental and emotional energy. Uh, the very long rehearsals and um the bumps and bruises and you know the working to the point of exhaustion and then realizing you haven't even done the show yet (laughs) it's difficult yeah um but it was very rewarding and it was it's great the broadway community is a very loving community of of people performers uh stage hands directors creatives uh, and it was so great to be welcomed into that community. I mean, is this something that you've always wanted to do, like Broadway in general, or is this, you know, something that you found an interest in over time? Uh, well, I did go to, the reason why I moved to New York City was to go to college to mm-hmm. study Broadway. So ah, Broadway okay. has always been an interest. Yeah. Cool. That's really cool. I've, I I do theatre and I get you when you say like, I mean, I'm not sure about the Broadway community, but the theatre community is very welcoming and loving, sometimes intimidating, but <laughs> mostly loving. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a student and I am a student at the moment and, you know, this show reaches loads of students all over the world. Um, how would you say that we could continue the conversation around you know, trans activism and trans rights, because I know you've spoken a lot about it. And, you know, for those who follow you on Instagram, you have an excellent platform where you do showcase and amplify so many voices and so many issues. So where would you say would be a good way or good place to start? Well, for now that you mention it, you know, I would love for people to follow me on social media so they can hear some of the conversations that we're having because certainly, and I'm not the be all end all, And so I would say in general, social media is certainly a good place to start because that's where obviously people will be able to hear directly from creators and voices that are not being carried in the mainstream as much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certainly there's something mainstream about social media, about Instagram and Facebook and all these things. Um, But uh, aside from that, I I would, you know, ask people to really get involved locally and i think to get involved in trans issues locally wherever they live is to get involved in your community because that when we're talking about issues that affect trans people a lot of times uh we're talking about discriminatory laws and policies that are being passed by politicians and lawmakers in their cities states towns and the the lawmakers to some degree are passing laws that use language that isn't isn't very direct isn't like we are against all transgender humans if you're transgender we're going to do this they're more like women are not allowed to wear this or do mm. this at this time and they use certain language that 
you know it's really meant for trans people, but yeah. it actually is a catch-all. And in that regard, it affects everyone. And so if you're gonna get involved in, let's say, um, the rights for transgender people to hold a job and 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 protect be protected from discrimination on the job, you're probably also going to benefit women, all minorities, people of color, disabled people, and so on. Um, you know, that will benefit them as well. If you make a law that protects trans people in the workplace, if you make a, if you, if you are voting for a politician or a candidate who is outspoken, or let's just flip it. If you vote for a candidate who's outspoken about barring, um, you know, transgender people from being able to join sports teams or use their restroom, you're probably also voting for someone who who would vote to keep you out of those spaces in some way, shape or form. Uh, when I say you, I'm speaking to everyone. Yeah. And so, um, and so I think getting involved locally with your local LGBTQ uh, resources, obviously starting at a local LGBT center mm -hmm. um, is a good idea. And this isn't for people who are queer to do, this is for people also who don't consider themselves queer who who are who want to be allies because there's there's one it's one thing to like someone's post uh, and and get educated about a certain issue or talking point on social media or on the internet but it's a completely different thing to call your local lawmakers and mm -hmm. demand that they that let them know that you're aware of whatever it is that they're trying to do and that you don't want it to happen or that you do want it to happen. You know, there are so many um, educators and activists out there, even on Instagram, who have like templates ready for people to send and people to share their own opinions. So I think, I think it's really important that we go do the research. And I think being in a student community, I've spoken to loads of people who feel a disconnect to, you know, they're like, oh yes, I'm an LGBTQ um, ally, but also I don't feel like you know, because I'm not part of the community, I don't think I'm allowed to have a say on something. And I'm like, but that's not how it works. You know, I mean, what do you think about that? 100. I agree. Mm. Uh, I mean, I certainly do. Certainly there are situations where it's more appropriate for someone with from within the community mm -hmm. to, to be the, the voice there. I mean, we're, if we're talking about social media, anyone's allowed to have an opinion, of course. And so people can certainly say their own opinions and things like that on their own channels uh and i encourage them to do so because especially if they're speaking out in favor of equality and treating people equally and making sure that people have their rights uh that reach will that will reach those obviously those people's circles their family members their co-workers people who may not have thought about some of these things but then uh you know the other the flip side is when we're talking about um the impact it is important i believe to take a look around and and sort of read the room and make sure that you know if if we're having a conversation that other voices marge people of marge from marginalized communities um if you have an opportunity to use whatever little impact or platform or influence you have, even if it's like one other follower or a hundred people, I'm talking about social media, then, you know, if you have host that person or amplify that person's voice, mm -hmm. then 
all 100 of your followers, 100 people instead of one will get that message. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's really important. That's something that we certainly saw play out during 2020 and the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah, definitely. And I think even during that time, like I saw a lot of, I was shocked to see a lot of, you know, there were people who were advocating and making a change, but there were also so many performative activists, like even amongst people I know. And I was genuinely like, just taken aback. And I think it's really important to have these conversations with, especially people who you grew up with, people in your family, people around you, and do the research and do the work, um, as you were saying. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to keep you for too long, <laughs> but um, you know, before we go, um, do you have any parting words for you know the trans youth of today? I know that's a bit of a broad question, but I'd love to know what you think. Uh, yeah, just hang on, hang in there, <laughs> because it because it seems like the in the, in light of all of the attacks and the the turfs and the the um uh really um disappointing uh children's book authors fantasy fiction children's writers I was just about to of it say. all mm-hmm. uh we we it seems like we're being attacked our community is being attacked um from all angles and that's it's, it is so it's, it's not just a perception and uh certainly it sends the message that I would I would imagine it would send the message because it does send the message to me as an adult that as a child it would send the message that I'm not welcome, not wanted, not valued um, because of an aspect of who I am. And that can be really damaging. And so uh, in light of that, please hang in there. I don't want to say it gets better because that's literally a camp a slogan. Uh. <laughs> um, but, you know, we are fighting and you and you as a queer person if you're lgbt youth come from a very long line of very brave and and courageous uh and spirited individuals who who have been oppressed and beaten down and and had to get up and fight for their for their rights and our rights um many years ago in a day and age when we weren't free to speak about um, our gender and our sexuality in the way that we do today. And so hang in there. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for coming on the show. I wish I had you on for a couple more hours, to be honest, because like- Oh my God. Firstly, you have such a captivating (laughs) voice. Like I was just like, whoa, but- you have I'm learning so much from you even in the short time that I did get to speak to you today and I'm really honored that I did so thank you so much for being on the show and I really hope we get to speak again I hope so too um (laughs) yeah thank you very much I I do want to remind people that um if you loved hearing this conversation (laughs) uh they folks should again follow me on social media where they can find out more about my new album that comes out next week uh called oh my letters gosh to my, uh, yes moment of weakness letters to my lovers your, your album of course i'm sorry i forgot to mention that at all are you excited okay. <laughs> of course i'm, I'm excited <laughs> yeah it's i'm amazing. very excited yeah it's um it comes out next week it's it's really uh all the things we were talking about exist on the album it's really all about community and mm-hmm. and being able to speak to um 
being able to speak to and about the things that a lot of people don't get to hear black trans women talking about black women talking about necessarily and so i write about all these things on the album it's part two in a three-part series um and it's called moment of weakness letters to my lovers drops globally on the 22nd for everybody to hear and yeah and i'm also gearing up for um if you if you don't like music which i don't know who that is but if Mm. you don't like music then you can go and listen to my uh go and watch uh season one of call me mother uh on out tv which i know is carried in the uk and it's becoming a global uh platform for people to Absolutely. you can you know download the the streaming app or watch it on outtv.com uh call me mother is a really inclusive drag reality tv show that we have folks who are trans and non-binary and people of all different uh backgrounds and races and 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 expressions and even all different types of drag uh so if you love drag race then you'll definitely love call me mother uh and hopefully you'll be able to stream season one in time to watch season two uh season one is like three mothers three houses and one winner and i'm the you know spoiler alert my house wins season one (laughs) of call me mother um and we had you know trixie mattel was a guest on there we have lots of guests on there and season two is going to be epic that's all i have to say no, I bet. Gonna be on there. <laughs> Amazing. Well, good luck. I'm I'm really, really excited to listen to the album. And I'm excited to catch up on this, like this show. I don't know. I feel like I've been living in a, on a under a rock today, just under coursework, just under uni work. It's all good. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's on it's all on the internet for waiting for you. Yeah. Whenever I you're ready. <laughs> well, Peppermint, thank you so much for joining me. And I hope to speak to you again. For Have sure. a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of vanilla extract you can find this episode anytime you want on spotify apple Podcasts, soundcloud and all your major podcast streaming websites you can find these in the link in my instagram bio at vanilla extract and you can just google them too if you wanted to a massive thank you to our wonderful guest who came onto the show today i hope you learned something because i certainly did and thank you to robert nettleton who thought of the name of the show today <laughs>